The scripture reading for today is from Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. It's on page 906 in your pew Bible. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So I said to the gardener, see here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? The gardener replied, sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Here ends the reading. If you look this passage up in the New International Version of the Bible, the heading in the front of the passage reads this, Repent or Perish. Now, even though I'm a bleeding heart liberal who usually bristles at this kind of invitation, I can't argue that this is what this passage is about. And don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of repentance. You know, the invitation to turn away from the things that conspire to bleed me of my life and turning toward the things that give me life, I'm all for that. It's the parish part we, uh, you know, progressive Christians have a little hard time with. The parish, we, we struggle to, to want to deal with that. So let's explore what Jesus means by this invitation to repent or perish. Jesus here is setting, uh, in this setting here, is addressing a crowd of Pharisees and keepers of the law, and they've been listening attentively to him and are enjoying these speeches that Jesus gives regarding sin. I can kind of picture the conversation here that Jesus is having. Jesus has just been speaking some pretty harsh words about interpreting the times and about God's kingdom being at hand. And at Jesus' invitation, the people begin to find some significance in some recent local tragedies. And so they are listening to Jesus. And they might say something like this, Oh yeah, Jesus, this whole sin thing, I know what you're talking about. I know what you mean. The times are its getting crazy out there. These people in Galilee got slaughtered by Pilate's soldiers during their religious rituals. I don't know what they were doing, but they sure got God's judgment on them. And those 18 people killed when the tower fell. I always suspected those people of being sinful. This just confirms what I always thought. 
Boy, they sure got God's judgment on them. I'm so glad I'm not a sinner like they were. They needed to hear your message, Jesus. I can picture all of this because preachers get this kind of conversation all the time. It goes like this, Pastor, I know someone who needed to hear that sermon today. I wish you would talk about this because they really need to hear it. Right? I, uh, what, what is really being said in this, uh, you know, I wish you would talk about sin a little more because they need to hear about all of that. What, what's really being said here is that the message didn't mean anything to you. It was really for someone else. So as I, I appreciate your reflections on that, but I understand where that's coming from. And it is this air of superiority that prompts Jesus to kind of go off. Oh, you think God favors you because there's not tragedy in your life? Be careful with that because you have as much to repent from as anybody out there does. You think the judgment comes in this way? That God goes around killing people? The judgment God brings may be something you do not recognize, my friend. Whatever the case, if this message is not received and you not, do not begin to embrace the transformation God is offering, then what good is God to you? Jesus says. God's judgment is on you now, Jesus says. And to make his point, Jesus calls on a parable. The owner of the vineyard plants a fig tree, and after three years, the tree bears no fruit. The owner thinks, well, it's dead, and resolves to cut it down. After all, what good is it? And here is where the parable takes an interesting turn. Jesus says, but the gardener pleads with the owner. Let me try to nurture it for another year and see if it bears some fruit. In other words, the gardener wants to give it one more chance. There's no getting around the fact that this is a call from Christ to turn away from our own sin. And particularly those things that we feel pretty smug about. Jesus is saying, don't think that because you see judgment on others that there's not some things that you need to take care of. In fact, you'd do well to turn that mirror around on yourself. And Jesus is encouraging people to turn away from that which draws us away from God and turn toward something that calls us to our higher selves. Where there is confusion for the Pharisees and perhaps for all of us is exactly what kinds of sin Jesus is talking about. i got to tell you, the Pharisees are not getting this speech because they failed to go to, before, because they were not following the law. Right? This was not their sin. Jesus wasn't saying you're sinful because you don't follow the law, because quite frankly, they probably were. They are not receiving this speech because they failed to go to temple or because they didn't dress properly or because they didn't give a tithe. I guarantee you they probably were giving a tithe. They were not receiving this speech because they are bad people or because they were doing, you know, engaging in crazy things, sex, drugs, rock and roll, that kind of stuff. That's not why they're getting this speech. This speech was not because of any of these things. They got this speech because they received the gifts of God and they chose to do nothing with it. They had known the love of God and they held it to themselves and squandered their energy passing judgment on everyone else. Their sin 
was not sharing their lives in a way that made a difference. God's love is transformational. God's love is regenerational. God's love is miraculous. And these guys locked it away in their dogma and refused to let it transform people around them. Who wouldn't perish under those circumstances? And they looked around and they saw where God's judgment was upon. There was an incident where some rebels were killed while they were doing their rituals and they thought that was God's judgment on these people. And a tower fell and killed some people as accidents happen all the time. And they wanted to see God's judgment in that. But Jesus says, no, God's judgment looks very different than that. And you're experiencing it right now. God's judgment on them was that they were fruitless and produced nothing worthwhile. And the crux of this story is that Jesus is inviting not only the real obvious sinners to repentance, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, but He's also calling on the good people to also repent of their sins or they too will not bear fruit and they too will perish. Not in the fiery pits of hell, but here and now. Not later on, but here and now as they lose out on all that God is doing in the world today. And all the possibilities of what God could be doing through you and through me and through them. Jesus extends this invitation because what repentance does is it opens up an avenue for Christ to be in the midst of even the messiest part of our lives. In the parable, we see a gardener standing between the owner and the fig tree. It's easy to see how we get this image of Christ being the intermediary between ourselves and God. But that standing in between comes with a promise. I will care for it. I will nurture it. I will help it grow. I'll throw a little manure on it. We'll see what we can get going here. Jesus here takes on the responsibility of helping this plant to grow as the, the gardener in this parable. In the same way, Jesus takes on the responsibility of helping us to grow as we turn our lives over to Christ. And we say, do whatever you got to do to help me bear fruit. If it means getting rid of something, help me to get rid of something. If it means adding something, then go ahead and add something. And this is a hard thing for us to do, especially in America where we're self-made and, and we, we're so independent and how reluctant you all are to ask for help and prayer. How reluctant you are. Shame on you. You should be inviting us to be supportive because that is how Jesus nurtures us shapes us helps us grow at the day at the end of the day even when we struggle to see that a fruit bearing life is the only real life jesus is there nurturing us along the way trimming away the dead parts coaxing the living parts watering throwing a little manure on there which we may not like at first. 
But when we see the results, we'll enjoy it a lot better. And even when we seem dead, Jesus says, wait. No. Not yet. There's life there yet. Let me coax it out of you. See, this is the, this is the real thing that repentance is about. This is where it really takes shape. It's not about being good. You know what? I've hung out with a lot of you. Give it up. <laughs> you know, I, you're not that good. <laughs> Even when we try to be, right? I'm that way. Even when I try to be, it seems like I just find myself going right back to the same old things. The only what repentance does is it says, God, shape me, help me. Point me in the right direction. Take away those things that are getting in the way and replace it with things that are going to help. They're going to bring me to life. They're going to bring fruit born out of your love that is going to transform this world one person at a time. That's all repentance is. Give up being good. Because you can't. Give up trying to make everything happen because it's not going to happen. Give up trying to do it all yourself because you can't. All you can do is say, Christ, I'm here. Help me grow. Help me grow. And that's especially vital and important when we're feeling dead or when we look at ourselves and we wonder, what good am I? What am I doing? What good am I? We beat ourselves up so much. And you know what? Sometimes our people around us help, don't they? Sometimes the world around us helps beat us up. And we look at ourselves and we say, it's dead. We're dead. It says, no, wait a minute. Not quite. See that leaf hanging on? You see that, that soil you're in? It's good soil. Let me help you grow. And if you let me, there'll be plenty of fruit. You'll get to see it. It will be glorious. Let us pray. Loving God, in this text, this complicated text, You call us to repentance. That's a scary word to us, God. But may we embrace it. May we reacquire it into our vocabulary, knowing that it is a way of bringing ourselves into new life with You. And what is glorious about it, God, is that we can do it any time. At our lowest moments, at our... At our highest moments of praise we can always stop and turn ourselves over to you and allow you to nurture good fruit within us may we be such followers of you that we long bear fruit we ask all this in the powerful name of christ amen